Mightiest, mightiest prophet of the Lord. Amen. Senior Pastor Ryanson, I need to go live on air. You are live on air, please, my Lord, please. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, blessed people, uh, I needed to continue this conversation that we had uh, the other night at about 4 a.m. in the morning when uh, I came to you that the Lord has spoken with me about the glorious coming of the Messiah. And uh, we saw very clearly in that conversation that uh, these announcements, these constant announcements the Lord Jehovah is bringing to you as a church regarding the glorious coming of the Messiah, that this persistent reminder that the Lord Yahweh is bringing um, to you people, to the nations of the earth, to mankind, about uh, the glorious coming of the King, the Messiah, the return of Jesus of Nazareth to take the glorious church, the holy church, the righteous church, the mature church, the church without wrinkle, the church without spot or stain, that uh, these persistent and consistent and relentless continuous reminders are essentially meant to activate in you as a person tuned in listening to me. You as a believer, a Christian believer, or a church, you as the residents of this earth, the fact that it is very, very important to prepare, to prepare for the glorious coming of the Messiah. And uh, what has come out very clearly in that announcement that I made at about uh, 4 a.m. in the morning and with uh, the relevant requisite preparations that the Lord laid before you that is needed at this hour. In that announcement, you see it very clear that the Lord is saying that uh, the way I say it and I say it here today again, that after listening to the announcement on the coming of the Messiah, the way you live your life on this earth matters very much. And uh, that if you believe the prophecy of the coming of the Messiah, then uh, he says, your ways have to change. You have to make amends. You have to start reorganizing your spiritual life you have to receive Jesus and prepare in earnest for the coming of the Messiah. And I use the benchmark scripture, I use the reference scripture that in the book of Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31, but I was able to stretch it for you again by reclining to Luke 16 verse 14, where he said that everybody has heard, even the Pharisees heard, and the Sadducees heard, everybody has heard the truth. And so you saw that uh, then the case that was laid before the Lord, that it was a matter of choice. It was a matter of choice then for those who refused to live according to the instruction of the Lord. Lazarus and the rich man and those that chose to live and obey the instruction of the Lord. And we saw very clearly but when such an announcement has been made, and I've made several announcements, it's not the first time I'm announcing to the nations of the earth that the Messiah is coming. 
I have announced the glorious stairs that I prophesied until they were lowered into the sky. Can you imagine how much the Lord is soliciting for your souls? The Lord is longing so much that you really, really prepare well and enter his kingdom. This is because he knows very well that uh, when the day of the rapture does take place, or when you die, even when you die before the rapture, then those events are irretrievable, they are irreversible. He says, when you die before the rapture, it is totally irreversible. There is no way you can say, oh, look now, give me another chance. I'll do it better. I'll go and prepare. So that was the most important message that came there, that even when the rapture does take place, it is totally irreversible and irretrievable. These are some of the most important uh, benchmarks that came out of that conversation that I had with you. And I said, it is very shocking for one to be prophesied in the Bible that one will come that will prepare the nations for the glorious coming of the Messiah. The book of Malachi, chapter 3, talks about him. Malachi, chapter 4, talks about him. The book of Zechariah talks about him. Revelation, chapter 11, talks about him. And then suddenly he appears. And when he appears, he begins to announce the glorious coming of the Messiah and to set forth, set forth before the generation that you need to prepare their standards, for, their benchmarks for heaven, that you need to receive Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, and that then you need to receive the Holy Spirit, be baptized in, in complete immersion in water, and also be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he begins to say that then you need to sustain a holy Christian life and do the great commission of the Lord and complete all righteousness. I say it's a wonder that the Bible can promise somebody and then all of a sudden that person appears. And among the works, the ministration of that person, and then you realize there are two. Suddenly there are two. One is in the spiritual form, always constantly in the background, and then one in the physical realm. And then in the process of the administration, command the stairs of heaven to be lowered. And God lowers those stairs. And he says in that prophecy that he saw the church climbing up the stairs and entering heaven. And then, and he saw the two-stage part of that uh, event of entry to heaven when the church is taken up. And then as she's going up, the big cloud that you saw came to visit me in Kisumu, the one I called down from heaven, from the throne of God. Jehovah Yahweh, my friend. And so when he comes, all of a sudden the second stage of that rapture is that that cloud appears, and then when they are moving close to the cloud about to enter in the sky, then the cloud opens and glorious stairs appear, and the church enters heaven. All of a sudden that person that was promised in the Bible comes and ministers in that form, in that way, to a living generation. And they enter, the church enters, and the cloud closes into heaven and lifts and disappears into heaven with them. It is very shocking that one can come then, promised in the Bible, Malachi 3, Malachi 4, and Zechariah, Revelation 11, Revelation 12, Revelation 13, and then he appears and he now prophesies the glorious stairs of heaven 
which is part of, part of the cascade for the entry of the church. And then God lowers the stairs, and mortal men, mortal men are able to see with their mortal eyes, and even record the stairs, the glorious stairs of eternity, of everlasting life, and then post them on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, what? I thought that is one of the greatest wonders of this age. But now a generation can really lay their eyes, their eyes onto everlasting life, onto heaven, onto eternity. So God, you see, it essentially speaks about God longing, beckoning, calling out a generation. Please prepare. Please prepare, come and enter. Prepare to enter. Please come into heaven. And I say it, there is no better scripture at which the warning that I ingrained, entailed, encompassed in this announcement are laid to bear than the scripture of Luke chapter 16, verses, now we say 14, but 19 to 31. And that is the conversation I want to continue advancing. And we saw that day that the Lord is essentially saying that the way you live your life on the earth here is very, very crucial. This earth is not a honeymoon or a vacation center. It's not the end of it all. It says the way you live your earth here goes a long way to determine how you live your life in eternity when life on this world, on this earth, your life comes to an end. And he says, therefore, he's calling upon men to rethink their ways, how they're living their lives on the earth. And the Lord said that in that conversation of Lazarus and the rich man, Lazarus covered with wounds. Lazarus was sick. You see that he was sick. He, he was sick. He, he was not feeling well. He had wounds all over. And then the rich man living in affluence and plenty and surplus and luxury, so you, the Lord presents those two lives. Jesus presents those two lives. That one lives the way Lazarus lived. And the other lives the way the rich man lived. And then when eternity comes, they end up in two different destinations. Their destinies are totally different. Lazarus, when he dies, he goes straight into heaven. Abraham's bosom is received by Abraham. And you see very clearly that we've read before. We've read before in the book of Matthew, as the Lord speaks. The Lord speaks very clearly in the book of Matthew, as we've read before. And I open it now here. I'm reading uh, Matthew chapter 8. And it says, uh, Yes. Matthew chapter 8, the fate of the centurion. And it says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and suffering terribly. You wonder what type of paralysis is this that caused this tremendous pain? As in almost to die. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. The other version, it says, I am not worried that thou comest, that thou shouldest come under mine roof. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. Look at that. But that this centurion, who is supposed to be a pagan, well perceived the authority of the Messiah. 
and he says, For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. The, the other one, come, and he cometh. And he comes. I say to myself, and do this, and he doeth it, do it, it, and he does it. Verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and he said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such faith. Now look at verse 11. I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west, and they will take up their place at the feet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be out there in torment and suffering. So this is very powerful. He says that when people go into heaven, they will meet Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's what we see happening to Lazarus, the, the poor man. Eh? Lazarus, the, the, the man that was not enjoying on the earth here. He was not feeling well. He had wounds and dogs were leaking. The poor man, leaking his wounds. He goes to Abraham's bosom, Abraham's side, where the rich man, he goes to hell. And we saw very clearly that the Lord is saying, that they, they live two lives. Lazarus and the rich man live two lives, and they ended up in two different destinations. Lazarus ended up in heaven, and the rich man ended up in hell. And we saw very clearly that the Lord was essentially saying that, you know, the wealth you have, the wealth one has on this earth, cannot merit their salvation. And he says, that wealth spoke in different ways than the attitude that they have on the earth. But today I want to continue advancing this conversation of the rich man and this very poor uh, Lazarus that is not feeling well, that has wounds, is sick, and living two different lives on the earth, two different destinations. But I don't know whether you realize that no matter the type of life you live on the earth, and I've said this again and again, and I've read for you scripture, even Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3, but have you realized that in this uh, entire conversation on how to prepare for the coming of the Messiah that I'm announcing today, I don't know if they realize that both, the Lazar both Lazarus and the rich man, no matter the life you live on this earth, they both die. They both have to die. Which means death is inevitable to both, to all. Death is absolutely inevitable to all of them. They both die. And so the Lord essentially is saying that nobody lives on the earth here forever. And if that be the case, then he is saying that uh, people have to prepare for their exit from this earth. Life on this earth is temporary. Life on this earth is not permanent. But nobody lives on the earth forever. Both Lazarus, no matter the lifestyle, the kind of life you live, you have to die one day. In the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3 says, If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, the place where it falls, there it will lie forever. So the Lord is saying that, is using that scripture to make you understand that death is absolutely inevitable, blessed people. That is the message coming from there. That death does fail man. Everyone will be failed. 
by death. Death will fail you, tuned in, facing me, fail anybody and everybody else. That's what the Lord is saying here. Because you see, both of them die. Both Lazarus and the poor man die. So meaning, no matter the kind of lifestyle or life you live on the earth, you must die. One day it must come to an end, he says. And you see in that conversation, you see, that, 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 that the time came when the beggar died. I'm reading verse 22, verse 22 of Luke 16. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died. Look at that. It was buried. Verse 23, in hell, where he was in torment. He looked up, meaning he woke up. He was shocked suddenly, opened his eyes suddenly, and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus on his side, at his side. Meaning, when one is in hell, they're going to be have to, to, to have the capacity to be able to see those in heaven enjoying their life, enjoying peace, enjoying fellowship with God. That will really aggravate their torment in hell. Because you might be able to see, he was able to identify Lazarus. He was able to identify Abraham, meaning those who will be in hell. First of all, it does mean the Lord Jesus is saying, it means that Jesus is saying that hell and heaven are real places. There is a real place called hell where people will go. And there is a real place, reality, real place called heaven where the God-fearing, those who have listened to the instruction and the announcement of the coming of the Messiah and changed their ways and made a man and loved Christ and become holy and righteous, where they will stay, a real place called heaven and a real place called hell. But the other thing, the other revelation we find about hell and heaven in this scripture that Jesus brings to your notice is the fact that those who are in hell are able to see those in heaven and identify them. Meaning you are able to see some of your friends, some of your colleagues, some of the people you knew on this earth who loved the Lord, who are going to Bible fellowship when you are busy going to sexual immorality in that university. Hmm? Those who remained in that office reading the Bible said, no, can we go for lunch? Said, no, 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 I'll just remain here reading my Bible today. You know, yeah, my boyfriend is coming. Can we go for lunch? He can take us for lunch. Eh? So, no, 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 I don't want to be part of that. I just want to read my Bible here. At 2 p.m. when you come back, you find me here. Eh? I carried my lunch. I, boiled, I took to the leftovers yesterday's dinner at home. I packed out. There are some of these people that chose the ways of God. People that you knew. You will be able to see from hell. They will be able to see heaven and what's going on in heaven. That's amazing, blessed people. Especially considering that there will be torment in hell. And he says even those in heaven will be able to see those in hell. So this is what the Lord is bringing to your attention, to be able to activate you, to reawaken in you, to be able to, um, to, to, to shake you, to revive you into the need for preparing well for eternity. And that in that preparation you may choose to prepare for heaven. And it's amazing also that people in heaven will be able to talk to those in hell. And people in hell will be able to talk to those in heaven. 
there will be a kind of a communication, though there will be a rift, a chasm, a separation that the Lord has eternally placed between heaven and hell. So there's so much in this scripture here that should really reawaken you and cause you to make a determination on to how to prepare for your eternity. Hmm? But you see that both, both the, the Lazarus and the rich man, they, they die. That is inevitable. That's one big thing, lesson that the Lord Jesus wanted to underscore here. And I'll come back to you in the next five minutes again as we continue. This is a very powerful one. It's a more of an extended conversation I want to have tonight. I know that there is a big celebration going on here at the head offices, but as the bishops, the senior bishops arrive, I know they are tuned in, they are gathered now, tuned in, and so forth. In the next five minutes, we take a short worship break. In the next five minutes, I'll be back and we will extend this conversation. This is going to be a little longer today, this conversation tonight. Because I think the reality of hell and heaven that the Lord places in this scripture is what should re really revive the earth. Revive all mankind, all souls, and cause you to choose to enter heaven that we may humiliate Satan. But he may go to hell alone. Because remember, hell was made for him and his angels, the demons. So I'll take a short break and come back in five minutes or less and proceed. But this is going to be longer teaching today. The Lord bless you. Shalom. Praise the Lord, my Lord, the mightiest, mightiest prophet of the Lord. Amen. Uh, can I be live on air again? You are live on air, please, my Lord, please. Amen. Uh, blessed people. So in advancing this conversation, we see here, in the book of Luke, chapter 16, uh, verse 23, in Hades, where he was, the rich man, and he was in torment. The rich man looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. Verse 24, he says, So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to go deep the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, because I am in agony here in this fire. But Lazarus replied, Son, remember that in your life you receive your good things, while Lazarus received only bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides, all this between us, and you, there's a great a great chasm between us set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from where you are there to us. Then he says, he answered, Then I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers, let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets there. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, for sure. For sure they will not be convinced if someone rises from the dead. 
So this is a very powerful conversation that I want to bring in as I brought it in already into this announcement that the Messiah is coming and the need for this generation to prepare the way for the glorious coming of the Messiah. And so you see now very clearly when the rich man all of a sudden finds himself in torment in hell, the rich man does place a few requests to Abraham. He asks for, he pleads, he does make his pleadings here when he's now in torment. So he calls out to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, have pity. The first request he makes is pity. He requests for pity. Hmm? And the second request he makes is that Lazarus may be sent to get some water, meaning there's no water in hell, to get to touch a tip with the tip of his finger, touch some water and bring and touch his tongue. That's the second request you see right there. But you see, those requests, even another request down there, that sent Lazarus, sent Lazarus down there to warn his brothers, to warn his family that is down on the earth there. So the first request is for, he, ple he pleads for pity. He makes his pleading there. Number one, he pleads for pity. Number two, for a little water to touch his tongue to reduce the pain for emission, to reduce pain the suffering is going through, to cut down that pain and torment. And the third request is that Lazarus may be sent, sent back to the earth to warn his brothers, his family. And you see, I'm trying to look for another request if it is there. And you see that all those requests are rejected. All those requests are rejected. And in the rejection, the way Jesus, the Lord, our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious name of God, the Messiah placed these requests, placed this scripture in the context of preparing for the glorious coming of the Messiah. The way he placed them here, he really wanted to activate in us, in the church, in you, the church, in mankind, the fact that all these requests were denied. He said, have pity on me. In other words, when you look at the kind of prayer that, uh, that uh, the, the, the rich man is bringing forth to Abraham, while he is in hell, the rich man himself is in hell, and he's crying, he's pleading, the kind of pleading, the request, the prayer is bringing forth, the cry is bringing forth, the request, the asking. He does, you see that he does not ask that Father Abraham, please remove me from here. So all of a sudden, it seems he has woken up to the reality that once you die, that scripture on Ecclesiastes, Chapter 11, verse 3, has happened. That whether it falls to the north or to the south, where a tree is felled, where the tree falls, there also shall lie forever. That's why you see the rich man is not trying to ask Abraham or Lazarus or anybody or to, to send prayer. 
He's not even sending prayer to his brothers. He's not even asking Abraham to send Lazarus to go and ask his brothers to intercede for him that he may live hell. He's not asking Abraham to have pity on him and remove him from hell. And he's not asking Abraham to send Lazarus to remove him from hell. And he's not asking that uh, Abraham sends Lazarus to the earth to tell his brothers to go to church and pray for him that he may be removed from hell. All of a sudden, that scripture on Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 3, here it, has, it comes to his realization that that scripture has just realized in his life that once you die, it is impossible. It's impossible to change your destiny. And what the, the Lord Jesus wanted, wanted to bring to the fore is the fact that it's only here on the earth. Only while you are still here on the earth can you change your destiny. That it is virtually impossible after death for you to change your destiny. That is the most important message he wanted to bring to mankind, to the nation, especially at this time when the kingdom of heaven is beckoning. That while you are on the earth here, you have so much power, so much authority owing to the gospel given to the nation to change your destiny, to affect your destiny, to affect your eternity. And that's why, no matter the comments that the rich man is going through, you don't hear him saying, Father Abraham, come remove me from here. You don't hear him saying, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to come remove me from here. You don't hear him saying, Father Abraham, send Lazarus, my brothers on the earth, my brethren on the earth, to pray for me that I may be removed from here. All of a sudden he realizes that whatever goes to hell, whatever enters inside hell, stays there forever. And whatever enters heaven stays there forever. All of a sudden it came to his reality. He woke up to the reality that Whatever enters here in hell, it is impossible to come out. And that's why the scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 3, there is no better place than which that scripture is brought to life, is realized than here. So he sends requests. He makes his requests from there. That Lazarus be sent to bring him water only to reduce the pain. His only, play, his only cry there is now that the pain, the torment be reduced. Very much aware that he cannot be removed from there. And even that request is denied. The other request he makes, the other pleading he makes, is that Lazarus be sent to the earth to warn his brothers so that they may not come to this hell, go to hell where he is, come to the hell place where he is, to hell. But that request also of going to send, of sending Lazarus to go to the earth and warn his brothers 
not to end up, not to wind up, to end up in the hellfire where he is. That request is also denied. So there is no request, there is no prayer request that is answered in hell. However much you cry out, however much the pleading delay before whoever, however much you cry out and plead, there is no prayer request, there are no prayer requests answered in hell. The answering of prayer happens while you are on the earth here. Once you enter hell, prayer requests are not answered there. That's another important reality the Lord Jesus wanted to bring to you, the church, especially now when the coming of the Messiah has drawn nigh and the messenger announcing his return is already here, walking the earth. So, the three requests draw pity on him. To send Lazarus to bring him water to reduce the pain. And to send Lazarus to warn his brethren, the brothers of the earth, they are both denied. And especially now, if you focus now on the, on the request he was making, that Lazarus be sent back to warn the people of the earth, to warn his brothers not to end up in hell and the torment he's going through. Why did Abraham, why did Abraham, why did God reject that request? You see the answer that Abraham gives, but Abraham replies, Son, remember that in your life, while you were on the earth, you received your good things, while Lazarus received only bad things. Meaning, while you were on the earth, you had so much power to shape your destiny. And he says, I beg you, verse 27, he answered, Then I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Verse 29, Abraham replies, They are Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And then he argues there, no Father Abraham. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. But he said, no, if they cannot listen to Moses and the prophet, for sure they can never be convinced, even if someone like Mama Rosa resurrects from the dead and goes to them. So why? Why does the Lord refuse the request to send Lazarus back to them? In other words, the Lord will say that if they do not believe Scripture, if they cannot believe the messengers that He has sent down there, if they cannot believe the two prophets that are ministering down there now, uh, then even if someone came straight, from the dead, resurrected, they will not believe. That if they cannot believe the prophets down there, and the scripture that those prophets are reading down there, then even if somebody comes from the dead, 
they will not believe. In other words, he's also saying that if the people down there do not believe the prophets and the oracles that they are saying and their messaging, the message they have come with, then they cannot even believe in hell. Those people cannot even believe that there is hell. So there is no chance to change their lives. If anybody does not believe in the prophets and what the prophets are saying and becomes a blackmailer, begins to blackmail what the prophets are saying, that person cannot even believe that there is hell. So, and yet, you see in this conversation, the Lord Jesus is teaching very clearly without doubt that for sure there is a real place called heaven and a real place called hell. So if they cannot believe the scripture that the two prophets are reading down there, that there is a real place, Jesus himself said, there is a real place called hell and a real place called heaven. If they cannot believe that scripture and the oracles, the sayings of the, the warnings of those prophets, then there is no way, even if somebody came from the dead, resurrected, and brought the message to them, there is no way they will believe. And yet Jesus laid it so clear in this scripture. If they only had believed, he laid it so clear that every person who has ever lived on the earth will one day die. That's what he has laid on this scripture here. He has laid it in there that every person who has, even those tuned in, just listening to me, every person that has ever lived on this earth will for sure one day die. And when they die, they will for sure one day spend their eternity either in hell or in heaven. That every person that has ever lived on this earth must for sure one day die. And if they die, and when they die, and when they die, they must for sure spend their eternity in one of the two places. Either in a real place called heaven, or in a real place called hell. And he's saying that if those people down there on the earth do not believe the prophets, and they are warning, the two prophets going around here, and they are warning about hell, and about the need to prepare for heaven, to avoid hell, and then if, and if somebody like Mama Rosa resurrects, and go to them, they will still not believe.